Welcome to the Limitless Church Podcast. In today's episode, you'll be hearing from Bishop Scotty Scott as he presents The Fruitful Life, Part 2. We hope you enjoy. Give the Lord one more hand clap of praise today if you trust Him. If you trust Him, if you trust Him, if you trust Him. If you trust Him with your all, to be your all. Lord, we surrender. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Turn to somebody next to you and say, it's going to be good for you today, right now. It's going to be good for you today, right here, right now. God's going to do something in your life. Amen. How many feel the presence of the Lord in here today? Amen. There's a surrender that's holding somebody's victory today. Amen. Welcome to Limitless today. We're so glad you're here. Can you give God thanks for this worship team today? That worship brought us in. These guitars are sounding good, y'all. Hallelujah. I'm excited today. I'm believing God's going to do some amazing things in your life today. Amen. I want you to go ahead and put the giving graphic up, if you will, because I want to encourage somebody to give today. I want you, if if I can get, if I can, Pastor Jay, if I can get some help, and 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 Pastor Peggy, if I can get some help, and go, go ahead, Carly. And just hand out some envelopes. I want somebody to get something in your hand. I just think it's significant. We've been ministering on first fruits. We've done a little teaching on it. A little bit. On tithe, offering, and first fruits and the differences. Tithe covers your income. Tithe doesn't bring increase. Tithe just keeps you from robbing God and also positions you for the blessing. When I think about tithe, I think about this. I think giving God opportunity in order to be the blessing and release the blessing in my life. You know, there's many times people pray about areas of their life that they've not obeyed God in. Anybody ever hear the, te- the scripture, resist the devil and he will flee? We always quote that part of it, but we don't always quote the beginning of that. For the beginning of it, it says, submit yourselves unto God. Resist the devil and he will flee. You can't resist the devil in an area that you've not submitted to God. Because him, his defender is tied to your surrender. That means he can't defend in an area you've not surrendered. That means until you've submitted it to God, you can't get God to resist the devil in the area you've not surrendered. There's people, I, there's people all the time saying, saying to me, said, would you pray for financial breakthrough in my life and financial? And, and, and many times, sometimes I do and sometimes I don't. I'll ask them, I'll say, well, are you tithing? And they say, well, because I'm going to pray for you no matter what. But whether or not my prayer is going to be effective or not and agreeing with you is going to be conditional to you obeying God. Because he wants to give you breakthrough. He just needs you to obey him to do it. That's why obedience is better than sacrifice. Is because you can sacrifice and still not see God do what he wants to do in your life, even though you've given him sacrifice. Because God's not asking for the sacrifice. God's asking for obedience. Because obedience is the hinge of the windows of blessing. It means when you give, it's impossible for God not to move in your life in an area where you've obeyed him. And, and, so, and so I'm just praying for people today. You're praying for God, not just financially, 
glad that he said, I will open the windows of heaven and pour you out not just money. But I will open the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing. That when you get the blessing of the Lord, it's more than financial. When he releases blessing in your life, it'll touch every and any area of your life that's needing God to move in it. And I'm praying today, as you trust him with your tithe, that God's going to cover your income. And as you sow offering above that tithe, I'm believing God's going to bring increase. And as somebody obeys him for first fruits, God put in my spirit at the beginning of this year. He said in the beginning, first of this month, in the first of this year, if someone would trust him, with the first fruits. What's the first fruits? The first fruits is not your tithe. The first fruit is beginning the first of your increase. I'm not going to teach it again. But God spoke to me and said, someone, if someone would trust him with one, what would amount to one paycheck. Woo. That God said, if you give me the first, you won't have to worry about the rest. That if you give him the first, God said, I'll bless all the rest. And you watch what I do in the end when you trust me in the beginning. Mm. And so I want you to lift that envelope right now, right where you are. And in the name of Jesus, I just want you to do what he says to do. The first miracle that Jesus ever performed came in a need. And it came with his mother turning to them and saying, Whatever he says to do, do that. <laughs> and so I just declare miracles over your life and say this one thing. If you want to see a miracle, whatever he says to do, do that. Whatever he's put in your heart, whatever he's put in your spirit, whatever he's saying to you right now. Listen, as your bishop, never give haphazardly. Never give casually. Never give without thought and without prayer. Give intentionally. Never give without asking God what you are to give. Why? It's because obedience is better than sacrifice. That means I can reach in my pocket and pull something out for to give That's and just I've given and that's wonderful. But I have, may have been giving and not obeying because I didn't take the time to say, God, what do you want from me today? So lift that envelope. And God, I pray right now you speak to the hearts of every person in this room what you would have them to do. Not just today, but every day. And God, I pray that every person in this room, when they come before you into your presence at any time, they will be like like you spoke to the priest of old to not come before me empty. That whatever they come stand before you in your presence, they will come with something to sow and something to give. And it doesn't mean just money. It means there's something that they've come, God, to give and to offer you. And so out of this offering of obedience, right now, release the blessing, release miracles, release breakthroughs in their life. Let, them, let this year be the year of abundance. Right in the midst of every situation, show yourself today. And we give you glory and we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise today. Amen. I'm going to, at the end, I'm going to have them bring the box up. And you can give, if you're given physically, you can give then. If not, even if you give virtually, Today, I want you to come when we pull the box up at the end. I want you to just come and just touch the box. Amen. Even if you give online. Just because I think it's significant and important for you to give, for you to bring your offering before God. Amen. I want you to turn with me in your Bibles, if you will, to Numbers chapter 17. Thank God for you being here today. Look at your neighbor next to you say, you're going to be blessed because you're sitting next to me today. Amen, 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 amen. And, and, and I thank God for those that are online today that are chiming in online. God bless you. Amen. We're thank, we pray for you and believe in God for you for a miracle today. Uh, Numbers chapter 17. I want you to be praying with me. I want you to do this with me. I want you to pray about inviting somebody next week. 
because next week we have a special service. Next week I have a, we have, we have, next week's going to be just dedicated to worship and intimacy with God. We're going to have a special communion service, but not just communion, but it's going to be a time set aside for worship. I've got, I've got an amazing guest, guest music team coming in. You will be blown away next week. You won't want to miss it. So if you, if you know anybody that loves worship, wants to, get, wants to get close or needs to get close to God, I want you to get them here and just invite them. I know it's tricky inviting people to church today. But let God speak to you of who that person is and bring them in next week. And I'm believing God's going God's to do some amazing things next week. Next week's going to be the end, the last week of our fast. And I'm not going to ask how many are fasting. But, but I'm praying for God in the midst of your fast, however you're fasting, that God's moving in it. I know he's moving for me. And so next week, the 17th, we'll have a special worship service, intimacy with God. And then the 21st, we're going to have, on the 21st, we're going to have a special gathering for the last day of the fast. And we're going to have a special service that night on a Thursday night on the 21st. And I, I want you to come in. And I'm just believing God for us to just see breakthroughs, see miracles. Amen. Daniel fasted for 21 days. God answered him on day one, but he saw the, the manifestation of it on the 21st day. I'm praying that as God, as you're moving through this fast, by the end of 21 days, at that 21th day in that service, we're going to see some miracles. Amen? And so, so, so next week, 17th, be here, invite somebody to Sunday, and then the 21st, we're going to have a special service uh, for the fulfillment of the fast, and uh, I'm thanking God for it. Amen? Numbers chapter 17, if you came ready to hear from God, say amen. Can you stand with me for the word of God? Amen. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, and take of every one of them a rod, according to the house of their fathers. Of all their princes, according to the house of their fathers, twelve rods. Write thou every man's name upon his rod. And thou shalt write Aaron's name upon the rod of Levi. For one rod shall be for the head of the house of their fathers. And thou shalt lay them up in the tabernacle of the congregation before the testimony where I will meet with you. Mm. Look at them say, he's with you. And it shall come to pass that the man's rod whom I shall choose shall blossom. And I will make to, in, to cease from me the murmurings of the children of Israel, whereby they murmur against you. And Moses spake unto the children of Israel, and every one of the princes gave him a rod apiece, for each prince one, according to their father's house, even twelve rods, and the rod of Aaron was among the rods. And Moses laid up the rods before the Lord in the tabernacle of witness. And it came to pass that on the morrow Moses went into the tabernacle of witness, and behold, the rod of Aaron for the house of Levi was budded, and brought forth buds, and bloomed blossoms, and yielded almonds. Somebody say buds, blossoms, almonds. And Moses brought out of all the rods from before the Lord unto all the children of Israel, and they looked and took every man his rod. And the Lord said unto Moses, Bring Aaron's rod again before the testimony to be kept for a token against the rebels. And thou shalt, shalt quit, take away the murmurings from me that they die not. Woo. Now turn with me to John 15. John 15 verse 7. If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, you shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done. Look, you never say, God's about to do something good for you. Wherein my Father glorified that ye bear much fruit, so shall ye be my 
disciples. I want to pay close attention to verse 8. Wherein is my Father glorified that ye bear much fruit, so shall shall ye be my disciples. I want to minister for a few moments on the subject, much fruit. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your presence, for your glory. I thank you, God, for being in this room today. Touch, speak, move. Be glorified and be manifested. God, we set up your throne today. And God, we lift up your name. God, we give you glory. And God, as we give you glory, you manifest the glory. And God, do it today in this room and in the life of every person on the, online today. God, I thank you for miracles, breakthroughs, signs and wonders. I thank you for the harvest. I thank you for overflow and increase in every person's life today. Show up and be strong, and we give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. As you see, to turn to your neighbor and say, you're about to see much fruit. We begin talking about the fruitful life last week and, and that everything in God is about fruit. That for very, from the very beginning, the first thing he ever spoke over man was be fruitful. That means and we found out that fruitfulness is not the blessing. Fruitfulness is the requirement for the blessing that's placed on your life. That God blessed you not He didn't make you fruitful. He blessed you and then required fruitful. (laughs) Why? Because he wanted you to know from the very beginning, anything that I create, I create to produce. God always speaks in for what is going to come out. Everything he ever spoke to in the earth and spoke into the earth, he spoke into something for what's going to come out of the something. Because anytime God begins a thing, he always starts it with a seed. He's a seed God. Because when he speaks seed in, he doesn't speak seed in just for the seed. He speaks seed in because he intends for there to be a harvest. (laughs) Look at him say there's a harvest he has for your life. There's a harvest. Anything God's ever put in you is because of what he wants to come out of you. Anything God ever spoke in you, it's because whatever he speaks into, what he speaks into, he requires out of. I want to get a t-shirt made, and somebody can help me do it. I want to get a t-shirt made because God put this in my spirit so many years ago. He said, who much is given, much is required. But he said, who much is required, much is given. That means anytime God gives you much, it's because he requires much. But anytime you hear God require much, it's because he wants to give you much. And somebody in here, you're saying, God, why do you require things out of me that you don't require out of other people? Anybody ever have that conversation with God? Anybody ever have the conversation that you can't do what other people do? That you can't get by with what other people get by with? That he'll let them be normal and you not? Anybody ever, anybody ever wonder why your struggles are not their struggles? Anybody ever look at somebody and compare yourself and go like, God, man, look at how you're blessing them. And they don't have to do all the stuff you're asking me to do. And they don't have to do it this way. And they don't have to do it that way. And they don't have to do it that way. Why are you requiring all of that you're requiring? Can I tell you who much is given, much is required. Who much is required, much is given. If God is requiring much, it's because he's already giving you much. But if you let God require much, he's got so much more he wants to give you. God won't ask you for what he never gave. I want you to think about that. What has God ever asked from you that he didn't first give you? That means there's nothing you have that if God asked for it, he didn't already give. That means if he's requiring it, Whatever he's requiring is just you giving back to him what he already gave you. Why are you holding on to things like it's yours? When in reality you wouldn't even have it if he didn't give it. And if he's asking for it, he's just asking back for what he already gave. We just, we just talked about giving him glory. 
You can't give glory where he hasn't given glory. You can't give offering where he hasn't given you the offering to give. Uh, is anybody with me right here? That, mean, that means now anything he's requiring is because of what he's already invested. God will never make an investment where he does not get a return. God is the greatest business mind that ever was ever created. God has never lost a yield on an investment. God said, my word will not return void unto me. That means anything I sow into. In fact, he said, I give seed to a sower and bread to an eater. I don't waste no seed and I don't waste no bread. That means if I'm sowing seed into you, it's because I'm sowing seed into you because I know you sow seed. That means I don't give seed to anybody that ain't a sower, and I don't give bread to nobody that ain't going to eat it. Look at him say, God's bread don't go stale. Woo! God's bread don't go stale. In fact, if you even try to save the bread for tomorrow, God will make sure you can't even eat the bread. Because God ain't into stale bread. God's into fresh bread from heaven. That's why manna comes every day. Give us this day our daily bread. Why are you hoarding what God intended for you to use? So, 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 uh, so, so, I'm going to mess up somebody's budget right now. I'm going to mess up somebody's budget right now. Can I tell you God's not the God of a budget? Oh, it's quiet right now. I'm messing up every business mind in here. I'm messing up every individual. I'm messing up every frugal person that's in this room right now. I'm messing them up because you're a saver, because you're a put away for a rainy day. And I thank God. I'm not saying, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not preaching against budgets. I'm just saying God doesn't have one. I'm just <laughs> look at him and say, God don't have a budget. God don't have a budget. Why would you have a budget when you have all things? Why would you have a budget when you are the source? Is anybody here right now? That means maybe perhaps the thing you're holding is the thing that's hindering. Maybe the thing you kept to help is the thing that's hindering your real help from showing up. Perhaps the only thing, the reason why God can't release in your hand is because you're still holding something in it. And maybe if you learned how to release what God gave you, you'd see a release of what God has for you. Look at him and say, God's about to break your budget. I don't know who it's for, but somebody in here, you've been on a fixed income that God is about to unfix. Somebody has been in a place where you don't think you can see increase because your increase has been legislated by something that's told you you're fixed and you can only count on this every week and this every month. Can I tell you that God's about to unfix your budget? God's about to break your bank. God's about to show you I am able to do abundantly and exceedingly above oh hit somebody say much fruit that means God said watch this God's saying if I invested in you it's because there's a return coming out of you there's a return coming out of you there's a harvest coming out of you there's a fruitfulness that he's requiring from you and I just speak it in to somebody there's more in you than you've given yourself credit for there's more in you than you ever dream can I tell you in this room there's anointing that's yet to be tapped into there's songs that are yet to be sung there's books that are yet to be written there's ministry yet to come out of you there's businesses yet to be birthed there, oh I feel this in this place I feel a harvest that God's saying if you'll recognize the seed, you'll bring me the harvest. I just need you to be faithful over what I've put in you. And if you're faithful over the seed, I will be the Lord of your harvest. Woo. Listen, in the beginning, God created the garden. And the Bible says the garden, the garden was the only thing that God created in creation that didn't get created by his word. Everything else that he created in the, gar in, the, in the earth, he created it by speaking. He spoke it and it became. But when God got ready to create the garden, the Bible says, and God planted a garden eastward in Eden. He didn't speak the garden. He literally came down with seeds and planted the garden. Oh, God. God planted the garden 
And then the Bible says, and he placed the man whom he had formed in the midst of the garden. I can see Adam now standing there, being formed by God. And God puts him in the middle of the fields. And he said this, and God planted a garden eastward, and there placed the man whom he had formed. And he said, to dress it and to keep it. I can see Adam on the first day of job release and commissioning when God places him in his place. Look at him and say, God's about to put you in your garden. Everything he's been forming in your life is because of what he's already formed for you. Everything that he's already, he's about to play, he's, the purpose is tied to the place. Is anybody with me right here? And God, everything God's created you for purpose, in purpose, and God's about to take the person who's been the carrier of the purpose and put the person for the perp, in the perp place that is the fulfillment of your purpose. I don't know who this is for, but God's about to replace you. Not replace you, replace you. God's about to reposition you. God's about to take you from one place and put you in the place. God's See, the place of forming was not the place of purpose. He formed him in the wilderness, but then placed him in the garden. You have to always go through the wilderness before you can access the place of promise. That's why there can be no access to the promised land where there's been no wilderness. Because the wilderness is not to test you. The wilderness is to form you. The wilderness is to build you. The wilderness is the place where God prepares you for what's already prepared for you. It's the place. <laughs> that's, why, that's why women were made in the garden. Men were made in the wild. That's why there's a wild man in every man. Is this too heavy for Sunday morning? Men, men were not made in a garden. So don't expect us to be flowery. The problem is we're trying to make men who are wild flowers. If we're flowers, we're wild flowers. <laughs> look, look, look at your neighbor say, look at your neighbor that's a man. Any man around here say, be a wild man. Stop, stop trying to kill the wild out of your man. So, we tried to kill the wild out of men. We've tried to make them tame. We've tried to put them in cages. We've tried to we've stolen the masculinity out of men. Oh, it's quiet now. And then we wonder why they they're feminine. They're not feminine just because they're feminine. They're feminine because you ripped away their masculinity because you took the wild out of them. Well, no, no, no. I'm not telling you to kill the wild out of you. I'm telling you to to take the wild and go wild after your purpose. Go wild after God. Go wild. Some of us were wild in the world and now we're tame up in the church. Some of us were wild in the bar, but we can't even get. We, we, we used to jump on tables and dance. But now we get in church and we're like, mm, that's good. Look at them and say, go wild. Every man in here, there's a wild worshiper in you. There's a shouter in you. There's a dancer in you. There's a hollerer in you. Oh, look at them and say, now it's time to be wild. Now it's time to be wild. Now it's time to go crazy. Now it's time to... And, and, and so he, he was formed in the wild. She was formed in the garden. Watch this. He took him out of the wild because you always have to have a wilderness before you have a promise. Because the wilderness is the place of preparation for the promise of the garden, of the promise. To the place where Israel couldn't enter the promised land without a passage through the wilderness. Because the wilderness leads you to a Jordan. The Jordan is the place of dying. Because everything he's been preparing you for in the wilderness is to die. The, everything that he's been taking off of you through every struggle you've walked through. See, the struggle wasn't meant to stop you. It was meant to build you. It was to build you up to the place where you would die out and surrender yourself to God's promise. The wilderness comes to the Jordan. Why does the Jordan represent death? 
because it flows into a dead sea. It flows into a dead sea, and that's why Jesus had to come to the Jordan. That's why Israel had to come to the Jordan. That's why you always have to come to Jordan is because it's in the Jordan where I go down and am buried that I can come up again. That means I have to die out to something behind me for me to live in something in front of me. That means for all the process brought me to the place where I would let God kill me. Look at him and say, help. I think God's trying to kill me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think God's trying to kill me. God's trying to kill the me out of me. God's trying to kill the me that's hindering him in me. And now I have to surrender me to live in victory in him. And Jesus had to, watch this, because now the wilderness, why do you think, watch this, watch this, I want to show you something. Jesus comes out. Jesus comes out of the water. The voice of heaven opens. John's baptized him. The voice of heaven comes, the dove comes down like a dove, and the voice of the Father speaks and says, you are my son in whom I am well pleased. John points his finger through the crowd and says, behold, the Lamb of God, which takes away the sins of the world. He speaks his promise. He speaks his identity. He speaks his destiny. But first, watch this. When Jesus comes out of the Jordan, he doesn't step over into Canaan land. He doesn't step over into the promise, though he is the promise. He is the promise, and yet he can't step into the promise before he steps on the other side. And now, out of the Jordan, the Holy Spirit drops drives him into not the promise but into the wilderness for 40 days of fasting and then to be tempted of the devil in a wilderness because why? It's because though you are the promise you can't access the promise until you first have taken a trip through the wilderness because the wilderness is where I fulfill every process in your life for you to step into the promise I have for you. testing it's not meant to through the trial through the tempting it wasn't meant to test you it was meant to prove you see there's some people going through some wilderness experiences and you think the wilderness is tempting and the temptation and the struggles of the wilderness was meant to test you to see if you'll be faithful no God ain't testing you he's proving you he's proven what he put in you because every time the devil spoke to Jesus, he said, if you be, if you be, he's not testing that you are, he's proving that you are. He's proving what's in you by what the enemy's testing in you. Ah, ooh. Look at him and say, you shall come forth like pure gold. The refinement of your wilderness, the refinement of your fire is not to consume you and not to destroy you, but to refine you because God is proving what you're made of. God's proving what's in you. God is saying, I am preparing you for what's already prepared for you. Watch this. He takes him out of the wilderness and then places him in the midst of the garden because now that he's been formed in the wilderness, he can be placed in the place of promise and in the place of purpose. And God planted this garden. Watch this. Your place of purpose, God literally has planted. The place is already prepared. He's just been preparing you in the wilderness to place you in the place to fulfill the promise. Oh. And now he puts man in the midst of the garden and says, now dress it and keep it. Be fruitful. Be fruitful. Watch this. Dress it and keep it and be fruitful. Watch this. He, he's standing in the middle of a muddy field. In the middle of an empty field. And God says, now dress it and keep it. And I can see Adam saying, dress and keep what? What, did I, what am I to dress and keep? I don't see nothing out here. And God wants to speak to somebody who's in the middle of see nothing days. You're in, the middle of a, you're in the middle of God keeps speaking about a thing and you can't even see the thing he's speaking about. He puts you in the middle of a muddy, empty, nasty field and then said, dress it and keep it. And you're saying, I, 
you said garden. I don't see no garden. You said, you said, <laughs> anybody ever get hired for a job and then get in the job and you realize it wasn't the same job as you got hired for? Anybody ever, when they told you about all the benefits of this and how the blessing and the assignment, and all of a sudden you stepped into it like, you won't believe the kind of job I got. I just got this job last week. And all of a sudden you showed up on Monday and you were like, and they were like, here, can you fold this envelope? And you were like, this is what I do. This is what, and, all, and, and that or all that they said you get with the job, suddenly you get in the job and you realize everything they said you get, you didn't really, oh, you get it, but it's like, not really get it. I can see, I can see Adam going, why you got me out here? Dress and keep what? See, the problem is, We're looking for a garden, and it's there in an unseen realm. It's in a place that until you can appreciate what God said it is, you can't produce what he said it be. And he said, dress it and keep it. That means water it and protect it. Water and, he, and I can see, he said, I don't know what I'm watering. He said, that's not for you to know. All I need you to do is be faithful over it when you can't even see it. God's about to place somebody in a muddy field. God's about to place you in a place that he said it is that doesn't look like what he said it is when he put you in the place. And you're standing in a muddy field and God's saying, I want you to trust me. In the see nothing days. I want you to trust me and speak to it as though it is. Until it becomes whatever I said it would be. I'm going to trust you to be able to, to have faith. For faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not yet seen. God is about to make somebody make some faith moves. God's about to put you in a place that's going to produce something that you can never produce through what you can see, what you can touch, what you can know that your intellect could not produce. That no matter how smart you are, talented you are, gifted you are, knowledgeable you are, you, can, you, you, you don't have enough to know what God's about to do for you. And if you can know it, then it's not going to be what God wants you to see. Because God's about to do something in your life that can only produce by faith. God said, I want to show you that I'm able to do abundantly and exceedingly above all you can ask or think. And I need to get you to the place where you will see, where you will believe me for what you can't even know. I want to show you that if you can know it, I can't do it. Call on me, Jeremiah, and I will show you great and mighty things in which you do not know. See, somebody in here, you're waiting for God to put everything in place so that you can step into place. God does not work that way. God works through seed. God says, no, I already put it in place. You said, but I don't see everything in place. Yeah, it's there. You just don't see it. I need you to water it. I need you to speak over it. I need you to be faithful over it and watch what comes forth. He said, I want you to see that I wouldn't put you in the place if the place wasn't going to produce. And lift your hands all over this room. I feel it in this room. God's about to put somebody in a most, mo the most fruitful place that you've ever walked in your life. God's about to make your life more, produce more than it's ever produced before. And he's replacing you and replacing you. He's repositioning you. He's transitioning you from one place to the next place. He's moving you spiritually. He's moving you and saying it's time to come into the place I created you for. It's time to come into the place that you were created and born for, for this cause. And God's, God's leaving somebody. God's saying taking somebody out of the place he's formed you in to put you in the place he purposed you in. Oh, I feel it in this room. And God said, watch the increase. God, there ain't, there ain't nothing out here yet. Yeah, because you're going to produce it. There ain't nothing here. Oh, it's there. 
It's just out of your faithfulness. I want you to water it. I want you to believe her. I speak over somebody's marriage right now that God's been giving you promises over what your marriage will be. And it don't even look like that yet. It don't even look like that. You, it just looks like an empty field. God said, watch. I want you to treat him like he's going to be. I want you to treat him like you want him to be. I want you to honor who he's going to be before he ever is. I'm going to put something. Anytime God puts something for you, he always wants you to honor it before it shows up. He told Mary, I'm putting, the, I'm putting God in flesh in your belly. Now I want you to keep the Nazarite vow. Why are you going to keep a vow? Why am I going to keep his vow when I'm not him? It's because I want you to honor him before he ever shows up. Because I want you to speak over the thing and honor what it shall be before it ever is. God's speaking to somebody right now and he's saying it's in a seed. It's in an unseen realm. But if you believe me and you trust me and you know what I said it would be I want you to honor it before it ever shows up and watch it show up because you watered it and now I will produce it mm. somebody say much fruit God said everything that I created you for was for what's going to be produced and the fruitfulness that's going to come out Look at your neighbor and say, what are you to produce? What's the fruit out of you look like? What's the harvest God intended for you to bring forth? Come on. He, he comes over Israel in our text. And he begins to speak over Israel. And Israel's at the time, is wondering, who's going to be the spiritual leader of our house? Who is... Who's to be the priest that goes in before God? Who's the one that God is going to bless as a spiritual direction and leadership in Israel? And they're looking for this leadership. And he said, where is this going to come from? Who, who are we supposed to follow spiritually? Where are we supposed to go? And God speaks to Moses. And he says, I'm going I'm to show you who they're to follow spiritually. I'm going to show you the spiritual priesthood. Here's what I want you to do. Out of all the 12 tribes, I want all the 12 tribes to come forth into the presence of God. And when they come, I want them, I want them to come just one, one man for every tribe. And I want him to put the name, the family name, over and on a rod. I want them to have a stick in their hand and at the top of the stick I want them to put their name at the top of the stick one man for every tribe because they were wondering out of 12 tribes what tribe are we supposed to follow what tribe is supposed to be the lead what tribe is supposed to go before what tribe is supposed to be selected for leadership where, who, who, where, we got all this we got all these different sayings and all these different opinions and all and at the time and at the time, everybody had their own say. Everybody was like, I, I think we should do this, and I think we should do that. And all of a sudden, they start murmuring. They're murmuring against Moses. They're murmuring against each other. <laughs> Listen, anytime you see scripturally somebody have their own opinion, it doesn't end well. Ooh. That's for all the voting right people in here. Because the moment you ever see an opinion, watch this. In fact, every time Israel's had trouble, it's because of their own opinion. Because we're not to walk by opinion. We're to walk by obedience. Oh, we don't like it. We don't like it today. Because I got something to say. Who told you you had something? The only thing that really matters that you got to say is what he said for you to say. Because what he said is really all that matters. Ooh. Look, I'm going to show you. Quick, can I show you real quick? Elijah stands before them, and he's trying to pull them into the blessing. And Elijah says, how long are you going to be halt between two opinions? Are you going to choose God 
you're going to choose Balaam. Because you can't. How long are you going to be standing between your opinion and God's opinion? How long? Can I show you again? Israel goes into the promised land, and God speaks to them and says, go in and possess the land. Everybody goes, all 12 tribes go in to possess the land. But there's these two and a half tribes that have a different opinion. It's not that they don't want to go in and fight with Israel. It's not like they're going, oh, I ain't fighting that battle. I don't even want that land. No, no. It, it, they're going to go in and fight, and they go in and fight. But they said this, we, we like it better on this side of the Jordan. So we're going to go in, get the victory with you. But we kind of like it over here on this side. So we're going to stay on this side, on the wilderness side of Jordan. We're not saying we're not going to fight. We're not saying we're not going in with you. We're going to go in. That sounds okay, right? Because, I mean, after all, everybody has their own comfort zone. Everybody likes to do it their, their own, has their own expression, has their own feeling, has their own place of comfort. I mean, it's not like they're not obeying and going to go fight and get the victory. But that would sound good, sounds fair, except God's not fair. Because God, they, God didn't say, I want you to go into the promised land and get the victory over it. God didn't say, I want you to go into the promised land and drive out the giant. He said, I want you to go into the promised land and possess it. That doesn't mean you go in and get the victory and then come back out. I intend that when you get the victory, you pitch your tent right there because I've given it to you as a possession. Is anybody with me right now? And so when they said we're going to pitch on this side of the tent, this side of the river, it's not like they didn't say we're going to go in and fight. And watch this. All of a sudden the Babylonian captivity breaks out. And Babylonian army and empire comes after Israel. I wonder who the first tribes were to be taken captive. Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh. That's what your opinion is. All these murmurings. Listen, all the contention. All the, this is, this is the way, this is the way, this is right, that's right. All your Facebook. About, I'm a victim. Got my stick. I got my stick. I got my stick. I got my stick. I got my stick. This is my banner. This is what I stand for. He said, Go ahead and stand there. Go ahead and stand there with your stand, with your name, with your agenda. Oh, is anybody hearing me right now? With, I'm right, you're wrong. This is the direction we should go. Stand there. Every one of you get up there with your stick. Stand there. Face off on Facebook. He says, stand there. And throw it. Throw it. Because this is how you know who to follow. Is that when they throw it down, that dead stick is going to bring forth fruit. Because don't follow a name, follow the fruit. Because you will know who I've chosen. By their fruit. Mm. Away with all these people telling you what to do. And there ain't no fruit. Never follow what's not got fruit. Is anybody with me here? 
Away with people telling you how to produce and they've not produced anything. Away with all these people trying to lead you and they've never been led. Away with everybody trying to tell you how to build your thing, do your thing, and you ain't got nothing to show for it. Are you hearing me talking here? He said, he said, throw it all down. Watch this. And I'm going to show you something. Whoever's who I've called, when you come back, it will bring forth fruit. And the next day, Moses comes in, sees all the rods on the ground, and Aaron's rod has budded, blossomed, and almond flavor. It's God saying, until, until it's dead, you know that they, God said, and I want you to take that rod, and I don't want you just to stand before Israel with it. I want to keep that rod in the inside of the Ark of the Covenant. When you open the lid, you will find Aaron's rod inside the Ark of the Covenant. Because I never want them to forget what I use and who I use. I, and, uh, I want them to always know that there has to be death before there can be resurrection. That I always use dead things to produce my life. I want to show them in such a way that now it becomes a symbol of Jesus himself. That now I will produce resurrected life out of a dead stick. Uh. That now out of death comes life. That's why when the Bible says that when he rose from the dead, that the fullness of the Godhead dwelled bodily in him. Why? It's because I'm going to show you that that rod is Jesus. That now when he goes down and dies and is laid, no one takes my life, but I lay it down. I want to show you that when his life gets laid down, he is the Messiah. Why? It's because he's the only one that got laid down down that came back alive as the first fruit of many brethren. I want to show you that when he comes from back from the dead that he is the Messiah because the fullness of the Godhead now dwells bodily in him. The bud for the Father. The blossom for the Son. The almonds and the fruit for the Holy Ghost. That's why it's the fruit of the Spirit. Is because when he rose from the dead the fullness of the Father, Son and Holy Ghost resurrected power was in him. And God's saying to somebody will you let the grain of wheat die? Will you surrender? Will you let the seed fall to the ground? Because if you will let you go down, you will see me raise you up. If you can let go of what's in your hand, I can release what's in mine. If you can forget your name, I'll put on you my name. If you can put all your ambition down, I'll show you what you can never even believe. I want to do supernatural things if you can release what's natural in you. I'm going to do something supernatural. I'm going to put my stamp on you. I'm going to put my approval on you. I'm going to make it so there's no doubt and no way anybody could ever doubt who your God is and that you have been chosen. Uh, touch your neighbor and say, throw it down, throw it down, throw it down. I don't know what God's asking for. I don't know. Maybe it's our pride. Maybe it's our own agenda. Maybe it's our own fears. Maybe it's our own insecurities. Maybe it's our old ways of doing things and the old frames of mind and our old mentalities. Maybe it's tied to our family. Maybe it's tied to our upbringing. Maybe it's tied to the way we came up and got to this place. And God's saying what got you here won't get you there. I'm going to need you to take and everything behind you and lay it down and watch if I won't produce and show you how you are chosen. Whew. Look at them and say, hi, I'm Aaron. Uh, he said this. He comes over into John 15. And he said, everything that I'm doing in your life. Put that up in John 15, verse 8. Stand with me, I'm done. 
Herein is my Father glorified. That you bear much fruit. Somebody, the greater the fruitfulness, the greater the dying. God can't produce fruit in an area you haven't surrendered. Perhaps you're tired because you've had to work for fruit you produced. But this don't come by your labor. It comes by your surrender. disciples came to Jesus and said where's the harvest going to come from what do, how do we, should we pray for the harvest you know when they said this they said this right after he had had a meeting with the woman at the well that woman at the well which they didn't even understand why he was meeting with remember that that woman at the well that it was like grocery day and they were supposed to go to market that day and he said you need I must need to go to Samaria he sends them to buy meat he goes to Samaria because he said I'm going to go on a path that you don't understand because I'm about to do something you don't understand and he goes to meet with a woman why, why this woman this woman must be some powerful woman for him to change his agenda that day must be some Phoebe type woman, you know, somebody who has a little blessing for the ministry. This must be some dignified woman. No, she's a no-name woman who's been through so much. We won't preach that. And all of a sudden, God speaks to her about producing he sits down on the well and when he sits down on the well the first thing he says to her is give give me a drink of the water she said what do you mean give you a drink of water she said how'd you come to a well without a pail She said, where are you going to get this water? Because you ain't got no bucket. He said, if you knew who you, I will be in you. But wait a minute. We always get to the fact that he's the water. But we don't understand. That's not why he came. He didn't come to supply for her. He came. The first statement out of his mouth was not, you know what I got to give you? The first statement was, give me 
That means he did not meet with the woman at the well for what he could give her. He met with the woman at the well for what she is to give him. He said, I need you to know there's a well in you that has not yet been tapped into. And I'm waiting for you to let me tap into and be the well. That means I came for a drink of your water. He came to her and said, I'm thirsty. Give me a drink. That means there's a water I want that ain't in this well. It's in this well. And I came because the only thing will satisfy my thirst is a drink of your water. everything that people left you with and abandoned you and you've been robbed and you've been stripped and it looks like you lost all your all of who you are and all your confidence and everything that you've lost he said I'm here to ask you to give me why would you ask me for something when I got nothing why would you ask me for something when I've just told you I've been, you already know you already told me I've had five husbands and the one I'm living with ain't even the husband you know my story you already know all I've lost you already know I got nothing he said I'm here because I want you to know that for all you've lost, you still have something I need you to give. There's something. Oh, my God. I don't know who this is for, but God's about to speak to the seed that's been inside of you that's yet to come out of you. And for everything you lost, for all the harvests that you've seen come and go, God said to tell you what's to be produced out of you has not even yet been birthed yet has not even been blossomed yet. There's a harvest. There's a well that's waiting inside of you. And he's thirsty for what only comes out of you. This is where the disciples come. He sends her to Samaria. Watch this. He sends her back to Samaria. She goes back to Samaria, a seed. back to Samaria a seed she, she goes a seed that ain't perfect a seed that's made mistakes a seed that's got damage a seed that's been hurt a seed who they already know all the rumors about the seed that they don't even like a seed that they can't even stand a seed that ain't perfect got flaws and they know all the flaws but he said watch what I do with you if you'll give me what's in you watch what I'll do with you if you'll let me take what I don't care what you've been through where you've been I'll take you right back to the place that once was your place of demise that once was the place of your downfall and produce your uprising oh God I feel this in my spirit she want a seed. Look at your neighbor and say, you're the seed. 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 You're the seed that's carrying the seed. You're the seed that's carrying the seed. You're the seed that's carrying the seed. He's about to sow you for what he wants you to sow in where he sows you. There's something he sowed in you. That's, that's why he puts you where he puts you. That's why he placed you in the family he puts you here. Some of y'all been wondering why. Why'd you put me in the middle of all these heathen jokers? Why'd you put me in the middle of all these crazy people? Because you are the seed that's been put in the seed that's got the seed that when he puts you in where he's put you he's going to release where he is in you to put there watch this Look at, lay, lay your hand on your belly you're the seed the disciples show up at the well and they say this question where's the harvest when, when do we pray for the harvest you know what he said He said, watch this, they're, they're sitting here at the well talking. She's gone to Samaria. While they're having conversation, this one lady, no name lady, carrying the seed as a seed, comes back with an entire city saying, come see a man who told me all that's in me. Come see a man who told me what I'm carrying in my heart. Come see this man that look, release what's in me. And suddenly she comes back with an entire, she went from somebody who they, oh, 
She went from all the damage, all the hurt, all the pain, that now she said, God, I just surrender. Just use me if you can use anything. And now the very place that was her problem now becomes the place of the fulfillment of her promise. And now she comes back with the disciples saying, when is it going to come? When is it going to come? When is it going to come? He said, turned to them. He said, look up. You're waiting on a harvest that's coming to you. They looked up and saw this lady with an entire city behind her. And he said, you don't have to pray the Lord of the harvest. All you have to pray is for laborers. Is anybody with me right now? He said, all I need you to do, I don't need you to be the thing that produces it. I just need you to th be the thing that's willing for me to produce it through. If you'll let me produce it through you, I'll be the Lord of the harvest. I just need you to be ready to be used for the harvest. I will. It's white and ripened. It's already there. It's already prepared. Will you let me sow you with what I sowed? in you. Stand with me. Lord, I thank you. Grab the hand of somebody next. Hey! I just feel this in my spirit. Something's about to be loosed out of somebody. If you got to go, we understand. You can turn the thing off now if you want to. I just feel God about to take over in this room because there's a seed in somebody. There's a seed. You, hey, you are the first fruit of many brethren. There's something inside of you. There's something inside of you. There's something that the world has not yet seen, that the world's been needing, that he placed you in the earth for. There's an assignment. There's a destiny. There's a promise. I speak to it. Grab the hand of somebody. Lift it right now. Right now. Grab the hand of somebody. Anybody near you. Grab it. Grab it. Grab it. Grab it. Grab it. Lift that hand right now in the name of Jesus. And I want you to begin to pray for them. I want you to begin to speak into them and speak to the seed in them. Speak to the promises he's planted. Speak to the destiny he's planted. Speak to the callings, the assignment, the anointing, the purpose. For what purpose they were born. For what purpose they were created. I speak to the unborn thing. I speak to the unbirthed thing. I speak to the unseen in you. That's yet to come forth out of you. I speak to the promises of God. And I declare, you shall bring forth. You shall bring forth. You shall bring forth. He wouldn't have put it in you if it wasn't coming out of you. He wouldn't have spoke it in if it wasn't coming out. I speak over your family. Everything he spoke into your house, it's coming out of your house. Everything he spoke in your children, it's coming out of your babies. Everything he spoke into your finances, before it's over, it's coming. It's coming. I call and speak to the harvest. And I call it out of you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode. If you would like to stay connected with Limitless Church, please check us out on all social media platforms at Limitless CHR. We'll see you next time.